It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a blessed weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. While many say it's an understudied population, but what happens to the millions of children nationwide who have parents serving time in prison? Who cares for these children and what are some of the many issues these young people face? Here this morning to talk about it is Yvette Harris. She's the author of the book, Children of Incarcerated Parents. We're also joined by Kelly Eversole. Kelly is with Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Butler County. They run a program where they mentor children who have parents serving time behind bars. It's my pleasure to welcome both Yvette Harris and Kelly Eversole to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Now, Yvette, you literally wrote the book on this subject, right? So tell me about your involvement with this topic and how you got involved with children of incarcerated parents. Sure. Um, Actually, my interest in this area started around about 2008. I would finished up uh, a book on African-American children and so was asked to speak at a conference. And somebody said to me, can you talk about African-American children with parents in the criminal justice system? And that's one of the things that we had neglected to put in our first treatment of the African-American child book. After doing some quick study, I fell in love with the topic and that launched my interest from 2009 to present. As a consequence of that, I co-edited a book with Dr. Graham and Dr. Oliver Carpenter on children of incarcerated parents. And it seems like the world has opened up where we've conducted a summer camp. I've done subsequent research really looking at family stabilization when mothers reenter from prison. Now, Kelly, tell us about the work you do in your role in terms of the work you do on behalf of children who have parents that are behind bars. Well, I work for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Butler County, which is a one-to-one mentoring agency. And um, my caseload consists of children who have incarcerated parents. So um, basically, they come to us. We go through an interview process and training process with them, um, as well as our volunteers. And um, they're matched. And then um, my job after that is to support that match by doing monthly contacts with all involved Um, and giving a little more support for those who have incarcerated parents. I went through a four-day training in Fort Wayne, um, Indiana in 2008, which really gave me a lot of information on um, how to train these uh, volunteers and um, information to give to them to just help them mentor that child who has an incarcerated parent. And as I mentioned earlier, Yvette, you literally wrote the book on the subject. Tell us about the book, Children of Incarcerated Parents. Well, one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to look at the theoretical, clinical, and developmental issues. And in doing so, we wanted to really pull together people who had clinical background or developmental knowledge about children with parents in the criminal justice system. So that was one of our, the agenda, the major agenda for writing the book. The other side of that is we really wanted to look at issues of reentry because too frequently people neglect to discuss how the family is going to destabilize when a parent reenters from the criminal justice system. So we spent a portion of the book talking a little bit about reentry issues, how to support the family when a parent, in particular, a mother reenters from prison. And lastly, we wanted to talk a little bit about intervention programs that are sound, tried and true in terms of positive results and outcomes in supporting children with parents in the criminal justice system. 
Okay, so let's talk about the stats. What do the stats tell us about the number of children that have parents that are incarcerated? I think, what, about 1.5 million, and out of that, uh, maybe 58% are African-American, and 30-some percent are Latino children, and about 28% are Caucasian children. Now, Yvette, when we talk about children of incarcerated parents, you say that this is an understudied group. Explain that. What I mean when I say understudied, I probably should have also said it's an invisible population. So people really don't consider the needs of children with parents in the criminal justice system. And a lot of empirical attention, I'd say maybe we've seen more empirical attention devoted to this area within the last 10 years. And when I say empirical attention, people are beginning to look at how they adjust to three phases of parents in the criminal justice system, when the parents are arrested, when the parents are in prison, and when the parents return homes. So people are beginning to really devote uh, research resources um, to this population. Okay. Now, let me ask you ladies this, and I would imagine that this is how most scenarios, when we think about having a parent in prison, I think most of the time we think that dad is in prison. Mm-hmm. And I would assume that the mentality is, okay, dad is in prison. Mom can take care of everything. But when it's mom in prison, that's a game changer, I would imagine. Is that right? How true is that? A majority of our kids who we have um, matched right now who are children of prisoners are with a grandparent. Um, A lot of times, you know, mom is is in prison and they don't really know dad. They don't know who dad is. So they end up with a grandparent. Um, we, I have two or three right now who have both a mother and a father imprisoned. So, um, again, a grandparent or an aunt or a foster family are taking care of those mm-hmm. kids. With reference to mothers in prison, I think over the last maybe five years, we've seen an increase in mothers going to prison. And these are typically for drug crimes. And consequently, Kelly's right that grandmothers or grandparents mm-hmm. tend to be the care, the default or caregivers. And unfortunately, these are the caregivers with the least resources. You know, the least resources, but, and they're also taking care of children who really are dealing with the, with some emotional challenges in their lives. And so one of the things that we've got to focus on, and I think I see the research leaning more and more toward that way, is focus on providing support services for grandparent caregivers. Good point. Good point. Now, one thing that you also say that you say that there are some racial disparities sure. and you'd mentioned the numbers earlier and mm-hmm. we we saw that in the numbers that you mentioned. But um, touch on that for me this morning. Sure. I think that's one of the most you know, unsettling things about this area. When you look at the numbers of African-American children with parents in the criminal justice system, and part of it is due to the drug crime, the drug laws, I guess, in the 1980s, mass incarceration of neighborhoods. And so you have a total destabilization of neighborhoods. These parents, fortunately, are, are unfortunately, are returned to these neighborhoods, and they bring little resources to support these neighborhoods and the children. And I think I see more and more research focused on, number one, the issue of mass incarceration. How do we get beyond that? How do we change mass incarceration? And also, how do we, within the structure of that community, build support services for those children and for their parents? Kelly, I want to turn to you for a second here. You work with children. Let's talk about some of the issues that children face when mom or dad or mom and dad are behind bars, locked up behind bars, incarcerated. Well, a lot of times there's just a lack of relationship there. Um, There are no means to take the kids to 
visit them in prison. A lot of times they're not in their local community. They're two, 300 miles away. So it's just not possible to get those kids there to have a relationship with that parent who's incarcerated. Um, another issue is, uh, you know, they can't even call there. It's a collect call. So the amount of money that it would take is un- just phenomenal. I We watched a video in one of my trainings and this young mother with three kids had a phone bill of $1,500 in one month because dad was calling and collect just to talk to the kids. And, you know, it's just it's a major thing for these kids. They just don't have that relationship with that um, parent, which is why. You know, with us, the mentoring is such a big part. That big brother or big sister is such a big part of it. Not that it's a replacement, but it's just that extra support in their life to help out with um, that lack of relationship with the incarcerated parent. And Yvette, on your end, what are you seeing when children have parents that are incarcerated? What are some of the things that you see them going through? Well, one of the things, I guess, as a psychologist, we're really concerned more and more about the mental health issues. What am I talking about the mental health issues? I'm talking about feelings of isolation, abandonment, uh, other mental health issues like anxiety, OCD, uh, depression, and so forth. So our focus is how do we, in fact, provide mental health services to these children one-on-one. Hopefully a little later on in the show, I can talk to you about a symposium that we're doing at Miami in uh, September where we're bringing in Ms. Sharon Content from New York City who really has focused on uh, CIP and also empowering children uh, and making them feel good about receiving mental health treatment. Okay, and that's a good lead into my next question, because I want to talk more about what young people face, because they have to deal with stigma and some sort of shame, because this is not a topic that a young person wants to talk about on the playground when they're playing with their friends. You know, my mom, my dad are possibly both are in prison. Let's talk about shame and stigma. Well, of course, there's a stigma because people are teased. And we're ta- when we think about who, what age group tends to have parents in the criminal justice system, they're school-age children. So we're talking about anyway, what, from 5 to 13 mm-hmm. or something like that. And you're at a real sensitive time in your life during that 5 to 13 period. You're forming your identity. And according to Eric Erickson, you're getting a sense of, you know, industry versus inferiority. So you're coming into being. So certainly there is a stigma with that. It certainly is. There's shame with that. And I think any therapeutic approach or any counseling or any mentorship should really focus on helping them understand that they're not the problem, that they're not the problem. They're not the cause for their parent being in the criminal justice system. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. In the studio with me is Yvette Harris. She is the author, the co-author of the book, Children of Incarcerated Parents. We're also talking to Kelly Eversole. She's with Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Butler County. And again, we're talking about children of incarcerated parents. Now, what are some of the adjustment issues that you see children face when they have a parent incarcerated in terms of kind of their mental health and even relationships. You touched on that, Kelly. Let's talk about that. We see a lot of kids, like you said, who have that stigma, who um, are very angry. A lot of times we have to talk uh, a lot in our trainings on how these um, mentors can, you know, talk to their, their little about being angry about them being incarcerated. You talked about shame. Um, I have a couple of littles who are not even aware of where their parents are because the grandparent is so upset and ashamed that their child is incarcerated and they're raising these kids that they don't even talk about it. So 
Um, that's, that's a big issue. Um, we talk about a lot of times that parent who is incarcerated has some issues too, because here's a person who has stepped into their role. Sometimes they feel like, and it goes two different directions. They're either really upset and, um, you know, towards this person who is kind of taking their spot or they're very grateful. It it just depends on, you know, the type of parent that you get, um, I have a little boy right now whose uh, father has embraced the big brother and the big brother will send pictures to prison and write him letters and they write letters in return. Um, and so it's a really kind of a neat thing to see, but that's not the case with every match. Okay. And a lot of times these kids have attachment issues as well. They're forming multiple attachment relationships only to have that attachment relationship interrupted in some kind of way. So that really has an impact on their psychosocial functioning as well as their academic functioning. And listening to you ladies talk, we talked about how this is an understudied area. And I think that most people just simply don't get it. They don't understand this population, these young people that are dealing, some of the issues that these young people are dealing with when mom and dad are both mom and dad are behind bars. They're in prison. They're incarcerated. I don't think people I just don't think they get it. No. And I think sometimes people don't want to get it. I'm not indicting anybody, you Mm -hmm. know, but I think because it's an embarrassment, especially if you look at the numbers, 1.5 million children with parents in the criminal justice system. I remember saying that statistic, I think it was at a conference, and somebody said that could be in the state of Texas alone. So we're not real clear whether or not that that's an accurate statistic on the number of children with parents in the criminal justice system. So number one, people don't realize the number. It's a hidden population. It's a population with kids are sometimes indicted. What do I mean by that? Sometimes people feel because their parent has done the crime that they're going to be criminals, and that's not always the case. The other thing I want to say, and I think I see a new kind of direction for research. People, just because a parent is in the criminal justice system does not mean you will have problems. What seems to be the buffer, what seems to be the buffer is the quality of the caregiving relationship that those children are placed in. And the other thing is the children still retaining a sense of decision making. I want to talk about how this issue affects children at different developmental stages, because some of the issues that, let's say, a toddler or elementary age child would face is very different from what a preteen or teenager would face if they had a mom or dad in prison. Um, Let's talk about that. Like I would say with an infant toddler, they just know mom and dad are gone. They don't actually know why mom and dad are gone or where mom and dad are. I think with a school age child who knows they know where they are, they know what they did. Um, And so that plays a major role, you know, with with a child, especially a school age child. Mm -hmm. And the literature typically says that school age children probably have many adjustment issues when when parents are out of their lives, be it divorce, be it military uh, deployment or even incarceration. So since we know that that's the critical age group, then we know that that's the age group that we have to focus on, as well as don't neglect consistent focus on the issues that an adolescent will have. Okay. So, you know, you touched on something, Kelly, that I hadn't thought about, but you have to, as a child, you have to deal with the fact now that mom or dad did something wrong. Right. And, you know, mom and dad, they always tell you to do the right thing, but mom and dad has, they have done something wrong. Mm -hmm. So how do you work with kids when they have that mentality, when that comes into play? Because you still have to, in some way, have them still respect their parents. It's conflicting. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, and that's why we try and bring these mentors in to just teach them, you know, 
not a right and wrong, so to speak, but just um, how to go in the right direction. A lot of times when um, kids, friends, and even other family members know what's going on, they'll say, you're going to end up just like your dad. You're going to end up just like your mom. So that's a, a huge thing. And so by bringing in that mentor, we try and focus on um, that mentor giving that child some self-worth. Mm-hmm. Kelly, you work with these children, again, who have parents that are in jail What do you find children are most concerned about when mom and dad are in jail? Are they concerned about mom and dad's safety while they're in jail? And what are some of the things that they're concerned with that you find? A lot of times they are concerned with their safety in jail. They're concerned of when are they coming home? How long am I going to be where I'm at? Um, They're concerned about not being able to talk to him, not being able to see them. I mean, they go months, years at a time. Um, you know, not being able to talk to them or see them. And so, um, you know, there's a sense of abandonment, like mm-hmm. we talked about before. Mm-hmm. They feel abandoned. And so um, that is one of the major issues. A big issue we have, too, is, you know, what happens once mom and dad gets out of jail? Mm-hmm. Where do they fit in in that relationship? Mm-hmm. How do they form that relationship mm-hmm. again with mom and dad, especially when they haven't been able to go see them or talk to them, you know, on the phone like I talked before? Um, and it's a huge adjustment for the mentor as well, because they've been that person that comes and picks them up every week and does things with them. And now dad's back. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You know, how do you handle that? Mm-hmm. So that's that's a, a big concern, too. OK, that what are some of the concerns that young people have when mom and dad are in prison and jail? What do you find? Some of the same things that Kelly talks a little bit about as well. Um, how do they negotiate roles and boundaries when, when mom comes out of, uh, out of prison or when dad comes out of prison? Uh, who do, who's the authority figure in the family now? Okay. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, how do caregivers co-parent? You know, to make the environment stable for the children. How do they negotiate those co-parenting roles? And a lot of caretakers who happen to be grandparents are a little reluctant to relinquish their parenting or even to enter into a co-parenting role. Wow. Sometimes with our um, children, too, you know, I mean, it's court ordered that they go to live with a grandparent. And mm-hmm. so getting that parent back into the system and trying to regain custody or so to speak, of the kid, that's that can be a big thing, too. Like you said, that, mm-hmm. you know, we have um, older girls who are taking care of younger siblings and then mom comes back and plays the mom role that they right. were playing. Where, do, where does she fit in now? Right. So, right. And that's why it's so important that we develop models to prepare for reentry, not only the, the the life-sustaining things like housing and employment and so forth, but also the the family issues, too. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. All morning long, we're talking about children who have parents that are imprisoned. In the studio with me now is Yvette Harris. Yvette is the author of the book, Children of Incarcerated Parents. We're also speaking to Kelly Eversole. Kelly is with Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Butler County. They run a program where they mentor children who have parents in jail. Now, if you would like more information on this topic or more information on the show, you can now like us on our Facebook page. Just go to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear and like us there to find out much more about this subject, children of incarcerated parents. Now, Kelly, how do you guys work with children to prepare them for that very first visit, the very first time seeing mom or dad behind bars? Because you have the security, you have rules, you have the whole environment. How do you work with children there to prepare them? 
we have a lot of literature um, and, and, you know, they'll sit down, we'll sit down with them and tell them, you know, you're going to be patted down. You're going to go through the radar or the detector, the metal detector. You know, you're going to sit in a room. Sometimes they're not allowed to hug. Sometimes they're not allowed to touch. So we go through those um, steps with, with each of the kids if they're going to go see a parent. A lot of times um, the caregiver already knows you know, what's going to happen. So they'll even talk to them. I do have some bigs who have um, taken their their little to see. Um, I have one in particular right now that the dad was just incarcerated and she's planning on taking her little sister. You just have to prepare them and give them as much information of what's going to happen as possible. How difficult is that? That is so hard. That's heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking. heartbreaking. And I think for younger children, you've got to be fairly repetitive with that. Mm -hmm. You know, and you have to sequence it, or it's a term we used in in psychology called scaffolding that. So you kind of build a ladder to let them know that we're going to have to do this, and we're going to have to do this, and we're going to have to do this, and next this will happen. And I say anybody needs to take a tour of, of prison and seeing what you have to do when you are going to visit somebody in prison. And you know, one thing that strikes me, I have um, elementary age kids, and they just don't have a concept, a good concept of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as knowing 10 minutes from an hour, Mm -hmm. let alone one month Mm -hmm. to two years or whatever Mm -hmm. parent might be in Mm -hmm. prison. Mm -hmm. So I know that has to be an issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have these parents that are some not getting out. So how do you tell a child that? How do you tell a child your 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 parent will never get out, right. and we have that in two instances right now with our caseload. We have two parents who are serving life sentences, mm-hmm. and so to prepare them for you will only see them in a prison setting. It's mm-hmm. it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, ladies, this. Can you parent your child from prison while you're serving time? How much say do parents have in the critical decisions in their child's life when they're locked behind bars when it comes to some of the big issues like serious illnesses or choice of school and some of the other major decisions that all parents must make for their child? Do these parents, while they're serving time in prison, do they have any say? It depends on on the the custody arrangements that you have, and it also depends on the initial relationship that that the parent and the child may have had. You know, in the best of all possible worlds, it would be positive if the parent continued parenting from prison. And the good thing is that there's several parenting programs in prison, good, bad, and different. They're there for the parents who are in the in, in prison, and they learn techniques such as discipline and so forth. So. It's it's a good thing in all best worlds if they can continue to parent at some level from prison. Kelly, what's been your experience there? My experience with the, the littles that we have, um, you know, they try as much as they can. It's not like mom can call up and, and ask a question about a school issue to that parent. So I think with major decisions, for sure, that it, it is possible. I think with the smaller day-to-day, it's not as possible because there's just not that communication there. There's Mm -hmm. not that possibility of communication. Okay. And along those same lines, let's talk about some of the issues that parents face when they're forced to parent behind bars. Yvette. I'd agree with Kelly. It's the day-to-day, the lack of the day-to-day contact, okay? And, you know, it, what, what does parenting involve? It, it, it involves consistent contact in the lives of your child. Well, clearly that's not there for these parents, but there are other ways, in fact, that that can happen. It can happen through letters. Not everybody will have the availability of, of making phone calls, and it is incredibly expensive to make phone calls to someone, you know, someone calling home uh, from prison. So letters, cards, if it's possible 
take or make visitations. And, and again, as Kelly said early on, that those visitations are sometimes difficult because of, of the distance that a person will live from their incarcerated loved one. So you've all been talking about this. We talked about sometimes grandma, grandparents, mm-hmm. parent. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about that connection and how important that is and how that all ties together with the children, the person that's incarcerated and the, the caregiver, whoever is taking care mm-hmm. of the kids. And in most cases, we're finding that based on what you're saying, it's grandparents, grandparents mm-hmm. or aunts. OK. Grandparents are aunts, are uncles, yeah. And so what helps children really cope much better when their parents in the criminal justice system is, is if they have a care, the caregiver and the person who's in prison, that relationship. So the quality of that relationship certainly serves as a buffer for the children. If it's a, if it's a, a very difficult, conflicting, conflictual relationship, then the children are going to feel that. So caregivers and the parents, really have to find ways to work together to make sure that 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 children will not be more adversely affected. Okay. And so many of these children are placed in foster care. Mm -hmm. They're placed in foster care or I think there's something called the Adoption and Safe Family Act 1997, where if parents are out of the lives, uh, out of their children's lives, I think it's 15 of 22 months, then I think each state can begin the process of, of adoption. So, you know, some of the kids are adopted right out of foster care, uh, out of the lives of their, their, their mothers or their parents. So what are you seeing, Kelly, on your end? Well, m- most of ours are all are all being raised at this point by a grandparent or, like you said, an aunt or an uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have anybody in foster care right now. But, I, I mean, I've had other littles in foster care that are not part of the, you know, the mentoring children of prisoners. Um, and it, it is. It's devastating because they are put into a home where they know nobody. They, right. It's a total stranger. And so and then to maintain a relationship, I would think, with that person in prison is even harder because there's no connection there. There's no bond there between that person that's incarcerated. Okay. And I think you talked about something because a lot of times if it's a good relationship, you know, there are good foster parents. So Mm -hmm. sometimes these children bond with their foster parents and then Mm -hmm. mom or dad have have been in prison away from Mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about that. You know, I I see a lot of times uh, kids just get angry. They're like I said before, they are just angry mm-hmm. at that parent, and sometimes they don't want to bond with mm-hmm. that parent. They they would much rather bond with a foster parent who's there consistently and who's taking care of them and who's caring for them and supporting mm-hmm. them instead of you know that parent who's incarcerated who made a bad decision and isn't there for mm-hmm. them. Now, we touched on this earlier. We talked about writing letters, but this is such an important point. I want to circle back to this. What can we do to help strengthen this bond between parent and child while mom and dad are in prison? What can we do to strengthen this relationship? Well, I think probably working with caregivers to to get them to talk about good things about the parent. You know, Mm -hmm. good things about the parent. And again, caregivers have to work through their own issues because typically they may have been victims of 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 the person who's in the, the, the criminal justice system. So in part, it's the caregiver actually speaking positive things, making sure. Again, if that's a positive, healthy relationship for the child, making sure that the doors continually stays open if visits are possible, if cards are possible, sending grades, but keeping that line of communication very fluid and very open uh, for the child. 
And in case you're just tuning in this morning, all morning long, we're talking about children who have parents that are serving time behind bars. We're talking to Kelly Eversole. She's with Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Butler County. She's here this morning to talk about their program that they have where they mentor children who have parents behind bars. We're also speaking to Yvette Harris. She's the author of the book, Children of Incarcerated Parents. When we come back, we'll introduce you to a mother of four who talks about her very own experience being jailed and she talks about the impact that it had on her four children. Her story in her own words coming up next as Sunday Morning Magazine continues.